Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Thank you, Lisa, for reading for us this morning this parable. We've been walking through Luke's gospel over the summer. We haven't, uh, we haven't looked at every verse. We've, we've sort of dipped into every chapter to get a sense or the feel for the direction of this portion of Luke's narrative. So we've been in Luke. Uh, we'll, we'll be in it the next couple of weeks, and we will have sort of walked through the whole book over the course of the last year, starting uh, in Advent before uh, Christmas and, and coming through uh, uh, to this season of the summer. And uh, we're in a section, we're calling it Life on the Road. So Jesus earlier in the gospel said, he set his face to Jerusalem, Everything's headed towards the cross, and, and, and we're walking with them along this road. And so we've bumped into all kinds of things along this journey. He's told stories and parables like we saw uh, this morning. He's uh, worked miracles for those in need. He's engaged in conflict and tension with religious leaders. There have been all these aspects of life on the road with Jesus that we've considered. And, and we're going to uh, look at a parable this morning that, I mean, if, if you do any bit of homework on your own, you'll soon discover of uh, sort of the most common refrain around this poem is, it's, it's one of the hardest. Uh, it's just strange, right? Jesus commends an unjust uh, steward, this kind of, you know, kind of Machiavellian, like uh, uh, the ends justify the means, right? This guy is shrewd and dishonest and manages to secure his future, and Jesus commends him, and you're like, wait a minute, right? We've been walking with you on the road for some time now, and this feels strangely out of character. Well, we're going to sit with it, I think, for a couple of reasons, but I do think as we sit with it in the context of uh, a couple of weeks ago, Tyler shared with us uh, about Luke 15 and the stories that are familiar to us of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the prodigal son, the lost son. And, uh, I think in the context of Luke's gospel, maybe we can uh, step into this parable in a way that breathes some life into us. So that's the goal this morning, all right? I, I, I do want to say uh, right up front, uh, on the one hand, I think it's probably it seems fairly obvious. It's a story about money, right? That this is a parable about uh, money. I mean, if we take sort of the where it lands in verse 13, nobody can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. 
You can't serve both God and money. And, and some of you are like, oh, money, right? Here we go, right? Money, 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 right? This is a story of, 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 about money in a series of stories. Interestingly, in this section of Jesus's journey to Jerusalem, a series of stories where money seems to come up. It came up in Luke 15, uh, the, the woman who lost a coin. Uh, and then there's these extravagant parties in response to, to finding it. It, it. it comes up immediately after what we read this morning. Jesus tells another parable about a rich man and a poor man, Lazarus, and, and uh, the way they, uh, the rich man treated the poor man and its uh, implications for eternity. Um, it, it, the, Jesus will sort of continue, he'll bump into a, a rich young ruler uh, a, a chapter or two later, and that ruler will come to him, and, and there'll be a conversation around the effect of wealth on, on this young man's desire to follow Jesus, and it will culminate in that familiar expression when Jesus says that remarkably difficult thing that it'll be easier for a camel uh, to move through the eye of a needle than for a rich person right, to enter the kingdom. And then this bit about with God all things are possible that we love to apply to all kinds of things and it certainly applies to all kinds of things but interestingly Jesus applies it to how hard it is uh, to follow him and, and sort of uh, experience the corrupting influence of wealth as Jesus will put it in that chapter. It's just an interesting sort of uh, conversation. It, it does seem to be uh, about money, right? Really simple and direct. Love God, not money, done and done. You guys are like, sweet, let's uh, take communion and uh, move on with the morning. Um, there's this contrast, right, that's happening here where Jesus says, right, it, at some point, inevitably, you're going to choose your favorite, you guys interact, we interact with children sometimes, like, what's your favorite? You know, you're playing with kids. I, I, I went to uh, Elf. You guys remember Elf? And Will Ferrell is, takes the job at the public school, and he's just smiling, right? His manager is like, why are you smiling? Like, he's just smiling. He's like, I like smiling, right? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. And what does his uh, manager say? Make work your favorite, right? Make work your favorite. Like, I, I hear uh, the threads of that here, right? Like, you're, you're going to choose a favorite in life. It's inevitable. And Jesus says, right, we are prone to make sort of security materially our favorite. Jesus says, make God your favorite. You can't, you can't choose both. Make God your favorite, not money. Glad we cleared that up. Let's move on. Right? But, but right, I do think we're still left with the prickly uh, bit of this story, right? Like, what what does what does that some kind of conclusion have to do with with this story of an unjust, uh, seemingly unfair, manipulative, uh, self-centered steward? How does it relate? Well, I think it's clear, perhaps, where uh, I'm aiming that this is parable is not about money, or or not just about money. I, I do think it has implications for the material in your life and mine, but it is clearly about. Uh, something more, and it's that something more I want to invite us into this morning. Uh, as, as Tyler so beautifully drew out for us uh, from Luke 15 a couple of weeks ago, these stories of lost things being found and the celebration uh, that followed, these beautiful pictures of God's grace uh, towards uh, those who are lost, uh, Tyler again made an observation that I think also shades how we read the story Lisa read for us this morning. That those stories that are so familiar about the prodigal son and the lost sheep, that the context for those stories, uh, Luke is explicit when he tells us that Jesus told those stories because Pharisees were grumbling. They were grumbling. They were complaining because tax collectors and sinners 
were drawing near to Jesus to hear him. Right? Specifically because of who he was associating with, right? As we've seen over and over again in the story, Jesus is continually having to defend, right, against accusations that he's fellowshipping with the wrong people, that, that, that his orbit, he's including more people in his orbit than, than uh, many of, the, particularly the religious leaders in his day are comfortable with. There are other ties to the story of the prodigal son in this parable. Language like wasting his possessions resonates with the story of the, the, the younger son. Reversal of fortunes uh, happens in each of the stories. There are some other themes that connect, but this one feels uh, uh, particular to me. Uh, that's shading this story. So Jesus has told the parables, and then Luke says, and then he turns to his disciples and also says, uh, given the context of, of this broader conversation, um, he tells us this strange parable. I uh, uh, was listening to a, uh, a, a song, a guy named John, I think it's Gera, uh, worship uh, and otherwise, uh, songwriter, musician, uh, has a, a lyric that... Um, it's kind of, uh, what's the word? Um, it, uh, it feels equally prickly to me as this parable, but I, I feel some overlap. And I'll just share it with you. So, again, he's writing this particular song. Uh, it's called Citizens. It's worth a listen if you want to check it out. But he says, I have a heart full of questions. I'm quieting all my suggestions. What is the meaning of Christian in this American life? All right? So he's wrestling with the question, a, a conversation that is all over the headlines, right? Like, what's it mean to be a Christian? You have felt it. We feel it. Uh, culturally, there's this, all these conversations. Well, what does following Christ in our culture mean? I think uh, Jesus' audience, they, that's not the question they were asking. They weren't asking how to be Christians. But the religious leaders he was talking to were asking a parallel question. What does it mean for us to be the people of God with all this rich history from the Old Testament? The Pharisees, the religious leaders, what does it mean for us to be the people of God, Israel, in this Roman life? in this context in which uh, they live culturally, geopolitically, economically? What does it mean for them to be the people of God? A, a really parallel question. And for them, as I think often for us, their response was to draw really clear and hard lines of identity. Right? We're going to define the borders of what it means to be the people of God, of what it means to be righteous, and we're going to guard them religiously. Right? And, and it was commendable, right? Uh, and so much of what they did, they did preserve sort of the, the, the life of faith for the people of God. But Jesus shows up, as we've seen over and over again, and he just like continually like seems to disrupt this move. Right? Jesus shows up and, and again and again, like they're like, buddy, right? We're working really hard here to, 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 to make clear what it means to be the people of God in this particular uh, Roman life. And you're just kind of making that harder, right? You're fellowshipping with tax collectors and sinners, inviting them into uh, your life. You, you, you are uh, sort of making a move that doesn't seem uh, to, to fit, which brings me to double ditto, right? Not specifically gumdrops, peppermints, and uh, stinky cheese and yogurt, um, but uh, to double ditto. So we were playing this week, right? I was playing with uh, all, the, all the kids, my daughters, my nieces, my sister-in-law, and my wife. My wife, the least competitive member of my household, okay? Uh, so we're playing, and uh, as you can imagine, all the kids are like, I don't know, 10, 10, 9, 11, 10, and 9. I mean, there's, you know, right in that age where, like, I don't know, winning matters, <laughs> and uh, bragging rights, right? Uh, so we're playing, and uh, 
you know, uh, as, as we saw, right, the question came up was like, well, how, how tightly do you interpret the rules, right? I said Parmesan, you said stinky cheese. You can guess how my wife went. Oh, that's close enough, right? We're here to have fun, right? Let's, uh, this is great. To which, you know, this was the move she made, one of my children, right? So there was some question over how close to interpret the rules and Jess was like, oh yeah, right, superfluous. Let's have a good time, right? Yay, points for everybody. Uh, to which my daughter replied, no, right? Angrily, no. Right? Like, no, that's not fair. Just a minute ago, right? And then it's like, oh, here we go, right? Just a minute ago, you were maybe less gracious. It just got real messy real fast because, because we're uncomfortable with that move, right? We, we, we like clarity, right? If, if we were to speak more broadly, we generally think we deserve better than we do, but we, we want what we deserve. We want others to get what they deserve as long as what, what we get deserved sort of in a positive direction and, you know, the other person is wrong and loses all the points, right? Uh, like we, 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 we need clarity. We're uncomfortable when that space gets um, uh, uh, less clear, which, which brings me back to the story that Jesus tells about an unjust steward, right? I think it's precisely that discomfort that, that, that the Pharisees would have taken into a story like this. See, this is a, it is a story about money, but it's about more than money. I, I want to suggest to you this morning that this is a parable about grace, God's grace for sinners in the person and work of Jesus. I think we hear the story, right? A manager, he's got guys that, uh, you know, the owner, people owe him, right? Who knows how large the debt was? There's this manager is kind of making mistakes, doing his own thing. He gets fired. Right, we can appreciate that, right? You gotta, you gotta like measure up. So he goes to all these debtors and he just like, without permission, cuts their bills. Right? Hey, uh, let's knock yours in half and we'll take 20% off yours. And he endears himself to all these people, right? We're okay with the story. We're like, yes. I mean, even as Jesus tells it, these feel like shady people. Yeah, we're, wa- we're waiting for the hammer to fall, right? And, uh, <laughs> you know, we're okay with it. Right up until the point that Jesus says, I commend this person to you. Like, look at this guy. This guy that's unjustly sort of dismissing, lessening the debts and obligations of the people around him. Right up until the point where Jesus praises this sort of scandalous forgiveness of these people's debt. We're okay. We, we, we come to this moment in the story. Jesus says the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Then we get some of this stuff. Again, we're not explaining all the particulars, but for the people of this world, they're shrewd in dealing with their own kind, uh, more shrewd than are the people of the light. So we're getting this play between what it means to live in God's kingdom, sort of live in the world, America, Rome, whatever you want to, uh, sort of culture, language, right? The same conversation the Pharisees were having, we are having. What's it mean to follow Jesus, to be the people of God? I tell you, Jesus says, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed. Right? We're with Jesus right up until this point when Jesus says, this guy... And we're like, no, <laughs> right? We're like, no, 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 right? This is not how it works, right? We feel the discomfort of the Pharisees, the people of God. They were the people of God, carefully, completely marking the line of God's righteousness in the world. Jesus comes along and just seems to shake it up, and that's uncomfortable. 
He shakes it up with stories like younger brothers who selfishly squander everything and yet are welcomed home, while the older brother who's done everything right has sort of felt like he's left on the outside of things. Jesus just shakes it up. Jesus, in their view of things, right, those religious leaders who are troubled by the tax collectors and sinners who have come to hear Jesus. Jesus is terribly unjust. They've worked so hard to preserve and maintain their identity, and now Jesus seems to be playing fast and loose with the rules he's breaking, the Sabbath he's consorting with crooks, right? He will himself die the death of a a criminal. You feel what's happening here, right? Jesus is squandering. He is squandering their identity as the people of God on a reckless and scandalous forgiveness of whomever will receive it. And that made them and us uncomfortable. I think if we're honest, yes, it it has a similar effect on us. It's okay when it's running our direction, but man, when it runs a different direction, it's unsettling. Sure, the parable is about money and how we use it as Christ followers, absolutely. There's certainly a call here that like the prodigal son, once we've experienced the gracious work of God in our lives, it changes the way we relate even to the material possessions of our lives. And we're invited uh, by Jesus in this parable to live shrewdly, which means for Jesus, it means contrary to the culture around us to live generously, to just give it away extravagantly, to make provision for our future, not in the way culture calls us to, to find our security, not in the things culture and materialism and all those things would call us to, but to find our security in the generosity of God that opens us up to just live generously ourselves. Sure, that's here, but man, I wonder if there isn't something a little else uh, happening in this story as Jesus draws us into his grace for us. Certainly it's I think maybe the move here is that it's impossible, right? It is impossible for you and I to live in the generous world of God's freely given mercy and grace, right? Uh, Impossible, ridiculous even, to live in a world like that, white-knuckled around the things we think will preserve our security. Jesus says, let me me tell you a story that's going to mess with you a little bit, but let me... Just let me help you see a little bit of what I'm trying to do here. We were uh, we were uh, at the Arboretum, Overland Park Arboretum, uh, down south. This was uh, several weeks ago uh, with the family. I think that's where we were coming back, but that's irrelevant to the story. I could have just started at this point in the story, and you would have been fine. We went to a pizza place, right? Uh, so a few weeks ago, we went to a pizza place. We were the only ones in there. We were probably eating dinner at like 4 o'clock. It was hot. We were tired. I don't know, but we were the only ones in there. There was an arcade game in the corner, the, the kind with the claw, right? Like, you know, right? And uh, so my kids went over there, and, um, uh, you know, we're like, sweet, just not going to have a conversation. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, go, 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 play, 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 right? So they went over there to play, and uh, they come running back just really excited. Like, I, I thought sort of disproportionately excited for what they were doing, right? And their hands are full of, uh, of toys, right? You guys see this? This is where you go, oh, ooh, right? 
right? They come back with like several of these things. And we're like, wait a minute, we didn't give you any money, right? <laughs> right? Uh, what's going on? And they're like, yeah, somebody loaded money in the machine and we're just playing for free, right? They were so excited and, and winning, right? The, I, don't, I don't know how that happened because you never win at those games, but they're, they're playing for free and they're winning and they were so, so excited. And I, I wonder, I wonder if in light of the grace of God, right, freely and mercifully given to you and me, people who do not deserve a gift of such, we experience it and then we run off to the corner and we play games for things like this. Like, yeah, right? We, 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 we sort of get wrapped up in like all the things that we think lead to joy and security and all the while Jesus is watching us and, and, and thinking I'm inviting you into Right, a kind of world and life where I will recklessly and scandalously, scandalously take on the debt that you carry and forgive it myself. I will walk the path of the unjust, the death of a criminal. Please don't squander it on cheap plastic toys from the corner of the arcade. I, I heard one author put it like this, kind of sitting with this story. You know, it's lucky for us, you and me, that we don't have to deal with a just steward because what we need is a gracious and forgiving one. And that is what and who we find in the person of Jesus, what we celebrate with communion, the reason we are here this morning, that our debt has been scandalously, prodigally paid for by another. It's disruptive. It's really good news, right, when we recognize our need, but it's also a little uncomfortable when we think about its implications for the people around us. And the invitation here for you and me is twofold. Maybe you carry a weight. It's like, will I measure up? Or, you know, I got I to gotta work like the steward to kind of make things right. And all the while, Jesus says, let me, let me walk that path for you. You are forgiven. Or maybe me at times you're here this morning and you're just in the corner of the arcade playing for really cheap toys and the invitation of the gospel to you and me this morning in the midst of the life we're just trying to win for ourselves and do what we can to live secure to plan for the future all those kinds of things Jesus says I, I have generously given for you live here in my generosity Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.